Seeking the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, and reading for our text, verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. And it is the last two words there that are upon my spirit. In him, that is, in Christ, how vital that we be found in him. The Apostle, when he wrote to the Ephesians, he tells them in the first chapter that they were chosen in him. In verse 4 he says, According as he hath chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Chosen us in him. And then he tells the Philippians in the third chapter of what Christ is to him. He says in verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but done that I may win Christ. And then he says this, and be found in him. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. This is what the apostles desire was to be in him, to be in Christ, in whom he says in verse 3 in chapter 2 of Colossians where a text is, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So in our text, he says of the Colossians that they have received him, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. And there's a real question with us. If we are to speak of this word in him, do we know that we are in him and what that means? Have we received Christ Jesus the Lord? We think of the days of our Lord's flesh when there were many that did not receive him. 
And yet we read about as many as received him. So then gave he power to be the sons of God, even to them which believe on his name. Receiving him, the same as believing on his name. Now those that said that he was the imposter, that he was the prince of devils, they didn't receive him, they didn't receive what he said that he was, the Son of God. They didn't receive that the Father was his Father. They didn't receive his word. They didn't receive his teaching. But there were some that did receive it. And the Lord says, regarding his servants, Whoso receiveth you, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. There's a lot that is bound up with receiving, embracing, acknowledging, and especially the Lord Jesus Christ, the true Messiah, the true Christ, the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. And the Apostle speaks to these Colossians, they had received Christ. The Apostle had come preaching to them and they'd received his word. They believed his word. Our Lord said to the Jews in John 8 that believed on his name or that received him. He said to them, If ye continue in my word, then ye shall be my disciples indeed. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There was a following on from receiving him with further direction and teaching from our Lord that specifically was to continue in his word to make a disciple indeed, a true disciple, true follower of the Lord. The Lord said, Whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall I be ashamed before the Father and the angels. So in our text, there's a following as well. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. And very often there is a proving of the reality of what has been done by the effect, by what follows, by the actions that are actually taken where there is a true belief, then there will be those things that accompany salvation. The Lord said that be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. That is a fruit of believing and receiving of the word. And so we have 
here the emphasis of Paul, and this is what really is on my spirit, is in Christ. It is not just walking, but walking in him. I think perhaps an illustration about being in Christ can be had with Noah's ark. The ark is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that when the ark was built, then the Lord said, come now into the ark. The Lord was already there and they were bid to come. Then we have that very vivid picture of Noah, his family, and all the animals that were in that ark. And the Lord shut him in. And then we have all around the ark, all of those outside of the ark, you might say all outside of Christ. When the floods came, they all perished. Those floods, they bear up the ark. The ark felt the flood. But those that were safe in it, they were sheltered from it. They couldn't even see the destruction round about. And in that ark, they had enough food for a year and ten days. They had everything that they needed was in that ark. And this is the picture of in Christ, the world that lies in wickedness round about, the world that shall be destroyed by fire next. And we have in Christ, and there is safety, and there is a provision, and there is that bring safety over the flood to the other side. We think of the other picture of the church in the wilderness going from Egypt to the promised land. We read that they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. They had also the manna from heaven to feed them and they had the fire by night, the cloud by day to guide them. Everything was centering in Christ. They had the tabernacle, which is a type of Christ. They had the ark, which is a type of Christ. They had the altar and the sacrifices, which were types of Christ. Christ was the centre in everything. There was a looking unto him guided by him, feeding upon him. Now the Lord said, except you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. And so that being in Christ or in him, a very close union, a very vital doctrine, beginning with being chosen in him. When chosen, it was chosen, not in ourselves, but 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, I and the children whom thou hast given me. Why, we cannot tell, we do not know. All we know is there is nothing foreseen in us, no good in us, no reason at all why we were chosen and others were not, if indeed we are chosen. All is of God, the sovereignty of God. John 2, look this afternoon at four points from this chapter, beginning with our text and the exhortation to walk in him. There's four things where we have in him. In verse 6, we have the exhortation, so walk ye in him. In verse 7, we have rooted and built up in him. And in verse 9, we are told that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And then in verse 10, ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. And of course the Apostle had already said before them in the first chapter, verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And then he goes on in this chapter to set forth that fullness in Christ and what is in him. So I want to look first at the words, or the context of the, the text itself. As he have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. I believe there is a right joining together of the receiving and walking. As ye have therefore received Christ, so walk ye in him. The way the people of God receive the Lord Jesus Christ will affect their walk. If they receive him as just a man, receive him as having no authority, then their walk will reflect how they have received him. But if we receive him and we receive who he is and how he has been set before us in the scriptures, then that is how we are to walk in him. If the Lord has shown us and set forth <coughs> the Lord Jesus as the great, the eternal God from everlasting to everlasting, then we'll have that mark, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints to be had in reverence of all them that are about him because we've received him 
in that way. But then if we have been led by the Spirit to view like the eunuch that in his humiliation his judgment was taken away, that he was led as a lamb to the slaughter and the sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. And like Paul says before the Philippians, that he was at first with the Father, but then humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God hath highly exalted him. And we've seen that humility, willing humility of the Lord. Then that is also how we will walk, to be as an imitator of him. The Apostle Paul says, Be ye followers of me, as I also am of Christ and how the Lord acted here below. We shall never walk perfectly. Our righteousness that we must stand in is in Christ's righteousness. But as we view him and the Lord says, learn of me, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart, you shall find rest unto your souls. And it is as we have received the Lord, and that then will affect how we actually walk. The disciples, they said, they took knowledge of them, that they had been with Jesus. There is some of the spirit and grace of the Lord that rested upon them. When the disciples were with the Lord and the Samaritans did not receive him, the disciples said, Shall we call down fire from heaven and consume them as Elias did? But the Lord said, Ye know not what spirit ye are of. The Son of Man came not to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And the Lord reproved as he was with them. They were not of his spirit, not in what they were saying. But being with him, they had to learn by experience, and no doubt they never forgot what they learned, what they were going to do, but what Christ did. And it is in this way as we receive of the Lord Jesus Christ, that then each step it regulates our walk and our conduct. Maybe the Lord has made precious to us that we have been saved by grace. By grace you are saved. John, he says, of, our, of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. The Lord's given a spirit of grace and supplication. And as we pray, then he's given us further helps and deliverances. And as we receive that as the free unmerited favour of God, so that is how we walk in a, a gracious walk. Not an ungracious walk, but reflecting what we have received of the Lord. Remember the Lord's parable 
of the man that had been forgiven 500 pounds, frankly forgave them all. But then he, he, he went and he, he took his fellow servant by the throat, pay all that thou owest. And the Lord was angry with that man. He said, I forgave thee all thy debt because thou desirest me. Goodest thou not thou have forgiven thy servant, thy brother, that debt? And the Lord's inference was, that man had known the mercy and grace and forgiveness of the Lord and he was to walk in that same way, not forgiving as great a debt, but even a lesser debt, a small one. But he is to walk in that way that he himself had tasted and received of the Lord. That is why Paul says here, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Walking actually in his spirit, walking in that covenant, walking as in that way that he has set you in. In John, in the beautiful type as the shepherd, when he putteth forth his sheep, he goeth before them. What do the sheep do? They walk after him. They follow after him. And he's in that way that they in him, in the footsteps of the flock, in the way that he went. Or the hymn says, in the way those the saints of old went. It's a great blessing. If we have that forerunner, his track I see, the narrow way I'll pursue, till him I view. When we view that our faith comes from him and is kept alive by him, Peter had to prove this. I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And he was never to forget the dependence upon the Lord to keep alive his faith. Peter started off in pride. But the Lord knew how to deal with that pride. And so how he walked then was in that humble way, depending upon the Lord. We may ask ourselves then, especially if we may question, have we really received Christ Jesus the Lord? We might say, well, in a way we've been a bit like Timothy, that had known the scriptures from his youth from a child to the pilgrim home on Thursday. One of the dear friends there, she's in her 90s, she said, you know, I was taught to read from the scriptures when I was five. Ever since she was read, she learned to read in the family through the scriptures. I said to her, well, you can say with Timothy, or say what Paul said of Timothy, you've known the scriptures from a child. I had a great blessing not only to know them, but to be blessed through them as well. But sometimes when we have been brought up, then we can be greatly tried 
Have we really been changed? Have we really been converted? Do we really know the Lord? Or is it just because I've been brought up under the sound of the truth? Well, he gives a token of that. Those things that we have received, do we walk in them? Those things that we have seen through the lattice of the scriptures as they've been preached to us might seem a little bit there and a little there. And it's been of a light in a dark place. And it's had that effect of affecting how we walk and what we do. There is a true token that is here. As we have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Paul's directing the Colossians in that way. And it is an exhortation to us. It's also a token where we can look back and we say, yes, that has accompanied those things that I have received. It has affected my walk and my conduct. There may be sometimes the Lord will bring to remembrance, the Holy Spirit bring to remembrance maybe one point, one particular point, one particular time. The mind goes back to that chapel, back to that sermon, or back to that passage. And you can't deny the effect that that's had. Something you stopped doing or began to do. And it was because of what you saw in Christ. In Him. May we then fulfill this word that we walk in Him. May we have seen the beauties of His death, His resurrection. I know when the Lord favoured and blessed my soul and reading in it's actually the lunch hour at, at work. Cheering words. What think ye, humble believer of the bread and wine, blessed memorials of Christ's dying love. Why do you hesitate to partake of them? And I knew what I thought of them because it was being made so precious in the recent blessing. And that was what brought about the exercise of walking in the ordinances of his house. That's comprehended here, isn't it? Those that walk in baptism, the Lord's Supper, is because they have received Christ, has died for them and risen again for their justification. And their hope is solely in the precious blood that was shed for them at Calvary. And therefore, they walk in him. We mentioned the eunuch, and that was the very first effect that the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and as he received Jesus of Nazareth, as Jesus being the Son of God, he desired to be baptised. So walk ye in him. The second point is that which you'll find in verse 7. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. 
There's really two illustrations here. First one is rooted, and the second is built up in him. When I was young, I did work for my father in the nursery, and he did those two things. He used to grow roses, which we had the rootstock, which was a very strong root, but no flowers or anything. It was just a straggly plant. And that would grow for a year or so. And then that would be cut off and a bud from whatever rose we wanted it to be would be cut into that stem. It would only be two inches or so sticking above the ground. And we cut a tea slot in it and slip the bud in and then we bound it up with budding tape. And that would then grow into the rose that that little bud was. But it was grafted into that rootstock. And that rootstock had already got a good hold. It wasn't just a little sapling, it got a great big root structure already. And so then it thrust up that, uh, the, the bud, a very strong rose for the second year, which was then sold. And then many things like that was done with the fruit trees as well. And the idea is rooted here, is that which is a real establishing, a real firm, not going to be tossed about, not going to be pulled down to the ground. It is already established. It is already the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And we mentioned at the beginning that God's children are chosen in him. The faith of the people of God is not something that just begins at the moment that they believe. That is, as it were, the tip of the iceberg. That is just, as it were, the bud that is coming out. But it goes right back. We read in Jeremiah 31, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, and therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And the idea of this what is done for the people of God, they have a real root, a real foundation. The other illustration here is as a building built up in him. There is a foundation. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus the Lord. And the church of God and every individual member in it, they are built up in him. They're not tossed to and fro on every wind of doctrine. They're put on that which is already the rock of ages, already that which countless thousands of the people of God have tried and proved a long cloud of witnesses as Hebrews 11, that they all have been in Christ. You know, Paul, he speaks of those believers that were in Christ before me. And they are found in him or found 
resting on that foundation or joined, united to that foundation, whether it be the illustration of a plant, it is so that that bud becomes part of the plant. You can't separate it. It grows into it. It grows in one to another. It's part of it. With the building, the walls are joined to the base. It's, it's part of it. It becomes part of the one building. It's not two buildings. It's one little building. And so with Christ, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. It is so vital that we have those things like the man that was born blind. They tried and tried to move him off the fact of the blessing of the Lord and who he was. But he said, one thing I know, whereas I was blind, now I see, if this man were not a God, he could do nothing. Why herein is a marvellous thing that he hath opened mine eyes. And the Lord had given him right at the very beginning those things that had given him more of a foundation and an anchor than any of those that came against him. And it is a blessed thing that that should be so. Where it is so, then there's a building up in him not a restarting, not going another way, but being taught line upon line, here a little and there a little. Paul, he has a very sad word to those in the Hebrews. He views them that have been a long time in the way, but he said, ye have need of milk, milk and not strong drink. He said, ye should by now be feeding upon more solid food. You think of a child that when it is built up, it has milk and that first, but then it moves to solid food. If it never did, there'd be something wrong. And so with the things of God as well, it's not just the foundation truths, but to know a little deeper of the things of God to be built up in him, established in the faith. How often we drive round the roads, especially where there's been a new motorway done or new road, and they've planted up all the trees and you see all of these little tubes around the plants. The whole idea is that those small saplings, they have time to get established, time to get strong enough to stand on their own. And it's expected that they will grow. Well, here is the picture as well. Established in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Solemn word in verse 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Comes very close, really. And my own nephews. May profession, baptised, member. And then he studied philosophy at university, cast away all his faith, completely gone away from the faith. No solemn, solemn thing. And we should heed such a warning here, beware. 
we might think, oh, we couldn't be spoiled. We couldn't be turned aside. We couldn't go after these traditions of men, rudiments of the world, not after Christ. But there are those that have, and we've seen it. And you never have believed in seeing their profession, hearing it, hearing their prayers, that ever they would have turned aside. It's vital that we be kept. Vital that the building up and the establishing is in him and not something else growing up beside. You know, sometimes there can be those things that threaten the growth of a plant and they've got to be pruned away, cut away, that it be the plant as intended that grows up and not some thing that will take the life of it away. So that's the second exhortation, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. The third thing is the beautiful statement in verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In him. In the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord had a body just like you and I. A soul just like you and I. And in that body and in that soul there was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It is a mystery to him. Now God contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man, says the hymn writer. The great is the mystery of godliness, God manifest in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. Solomon, he says, the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this building that I have built you. And Will God indeed dwell upon the earth? He did. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Well, what is all the fullness of the Godhead? What is actually meant by that? We think of God and as having attributes, having things that belong to him. And there are some of those attributes which cannot possibly be given to anyone else. When John says, of his fullness have all we received, he doesn't mean that we've received so that we like him is eternal from everlasting to everlasting. He doesn't mean that we could be immutable that we never ever change or that we're omniscient, that we're all-knowing or omnipresent in everywhere and every place. God is that, but we cannot be. Nor omnipotent, all-powerful. We cannot be like him in that way. His blessedness, his glory, those things that belong to God 
God alone and no man and no creature will ever have those things. It is not of that fullness that we receive or that fullness that is designed here for the people of God. It is those things he does communicate. The holiness of God. Peter says, be ye holy, for I am holy. That is what the Lord is saying. The grace, we've spoken of the grace. The Apostle Paul knew of that. The grace of God, by grace ye are saved through faith and not of yourselves. And when with the thorn in the flesh, the messenger starts, uh, Satan to buffet him, my grace is sufficient for thee. And there was communicating the grace of the Lord to Paul. He says, I laboured more abundantly than them all, yet not I but the grace of God. By the grace of God I am what I am. had been communicated from Christ to him. His righteousness, this is the name wherewith he shall be called, the Lord our righteousness, and as the church, this is the name wherewith she shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. The righteousness that is communicated is not that which belongs to God, that cannot be given, but that which belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, the true and living God, but that is wrought out for his people and made to be given to his people. He that hath two coats, let him give to him that hath none. Without a seam, says the hymn writer, his garments woe, bequeathed in everlasting love, to be a royal robe, to cover thee. And we do not have any righteousness. We do not have that coat, none of our own. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But the Lord gives us that. He gave to Adam a clothing of uh, the skins from the animals that had been slain. And so it is that we also receive of that fullness of righteousness for his people. He hath received of his goodness for the poor. And the Lord communicates to his people that goodness so that they also reflect that. He communicates the love. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples indeed in that ye love one another. We know that we have passed from death to life in that we love the brethren. Why? Because it's something in ourselves, something that stirred up, something that was actually there and needed to be exercised? No, we love him because he first loved us. And that is communicated to us. God begins first with us and gives us that love. We spoke before of the mercy and received and showing mercy to another. It is another thing that is bestowed by the Lord. Be merciful, for your Father which is in heaven is merciful, and, and that we are to receive of his fullness. The compassion that the Lord has to us, we show also that compassion one to another as well. The long-suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ, we also to have that. 
and the tribulations and the trials that we go through. You've heard of the patience or endurance of Job, says James. Where did that come from? Not from Job, but communicated by God to him. <coughs> and we also need to receive that from the Lord. The faithfulness of God. God's children that are called are also to be faithful. And that is again communicated by the Lord. Every grace and every favour comes to us through Jesus' precious blood. Thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And it is by taking of him, as our Lord said, except ye eat the flesh, drink the blood, for the Son of Man ye have no life in you. All that the church has, she has as a free gift from the Lord. Then we have in verse 10. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, all perfect in him, lacking nothing in Christ. Having Christ, we have everything. There is nothing that we shall need. There's a beautiful illustration, isn't it? Being an inheritor with him, inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, reserved in heaven forever. Like Ruth, when she married Boaz, all Boaz's riches was hers. No longer a gleaner, no longer a poor widow, but one with him, married to him. In writer says, partner of my throne, shall be. It's a wonderful thing that the eternal God, the eternal Son, should desire to have with him on the throne. Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. But here below, we receive of that glory of what the Lord has for the church of God. And there's nothing lacking. Everything a poor sinner can need is to be found in him. It's no wonder the hymn writer said, I could from all things part of me, but never, never, Lord, from thee. Jesus is the one thing needful. I without him perish must. And it's receiving day by day that provision from him. And he is proving that union in him. As in this passage, again and again, in him, in him, in him, in him. May that word remain with us. In writer says, once in him, 
In him forever, thus the eternal covenant stands. The beginning was chosen in him, and all the way along the way, makes it the sinner to be their privilege and that which is their vital need to receive everything from him. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen.